You ever find yourself um, facing an impossible situation? You know, where if God didn't show up, you're going to be in big trouble. Well, that's kind of where uh, Joshua uh, finds himself uh, today. Um, Israel is moving in the promised land, but it's not been a cakewalk. In fact, they knew from the very beginning that they were going to be facing overwhelming odds. Uh, the 12 spies had gone in. They had looked things over. They came back and reported that their foes have a bigger military. They were well-armed. They had walled fortresses and, and vastly superior numbers. Is, Israel was a, just a small little nomadic tribe who had been slavery for some 400 years. So from a normal perspective, this doesn't make uh, any sense uh, at all. They know they can't do this without God's help. But that's hard because you have to trust and, and you have to obey. And, and that's not going very well either. Uh, they decided not to make any peace treaties with any uh, the neighboring um, uh, cities or, or nations. And that seems kind of dumb to me. I mean, it seems like you'd want to make uh, uh, an alliance with, with anybody that you can. But, but evidently not with these kinds of nations. In Deuteronomy 9, Moses reminds his people that God is going to help them move into the promised land, not because they are so nice or so, so wonderful and obedient people, but because the nations that they're going to be driving out were exceedingly wicked. So this would not be like the United States uh, invading Canada. Um, I don't know, that might be a good idea, but probably not. They're pretty nice up there. But it would be more like uh, perhaps the Allies uh, invading Nazi Germany. Sometimes you simply have to use force to drive out evil and put an end to it. But they're outsmarted. They're outsmarted by the leaders of a city of Gibeon. They, they, they put on some old clothes, old worn out clothes. They, they get some old stale food. And they go to Joshua and they say, you know what, we, we're, our city is, is, is thousands of miles or hundreds of miles away and we just want to make a peace treaty with you. And, and uh, so they do and then they find out, no, they're, they're actually live nearby. And the writer of Joshua tells us in chapter 9, verse 14, they did not inquire of the Lord. I mean, how many of our bad decisions could have been avoided if we had consulted Scripture first, if we had prayed before moving forward with our plans. Well, when the five kings of the Amorites hear that Gibeon has, has had a peace alliance, they, they forge their own alliance and they attack Gibeon and Gibeon calls for help from Israel. And Joshua leads his troops into an all-night forced march. They show up at dawn and they take the coalition by complete surprise. And as they chase them Back away from the city, a terrible hailstorm rains down terror on them and throws them into confusion. But Joshua needs more light to finish this battle. And so he prays a rather audacious, audacious prayer. And this is it. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon of the valley of so the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Wait. <laughs> what? I mean, this isn't even 
possible. I mean, there's so many problems with this. First of all, I mean, the sun doesn't move. The earth is the one that does the moving. And what would happen if the earth suddenly stopped rotating on its axis? I mean, everything would go flying off into the atmosphere. The, the moon would fall out of orbit. I mean, this is really, really hard to imagine that this literally took place. Maybe, maybe this is meant to be poetical. Maybe it's not literal. Maybe. But if God can speak the universe into existence with a word, then I'm going to assume God can do pretty much anything. And if you believe we have a God who is big enough to do this, wouldn't that encourage you maybe to pray bigger prayers? I mean, how, how are we doing in this? How's your prayer life? Do you ever wonder whether God actually hears your prayers? If you do, listen to what the promise Jesus makes to us in, in Matthew 21. He says, whatever you ask for in prayer, with faith, you will receive. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. See, I think part of the problem is that we just have a really hard time Believing that, that the God of the cosmos is, is really interested in, in us, that he's really interested in, in our problems. Is God really interested in, in my mortgage payments and in, in my car payments? Does God really care about that annoying coworker that I have to work with every single day? Does, does God really care about my aching back? Does God care at all? Folks, when, when you fully discover how much God loves you and how much God cares for you, prayer will no longer be a problem. If you find that prayer is, is something that you really struggle with, it may mean that you have not yet grasped the height and the depth and the breadth of how much God cares about you. C.H. Spurgeon a great preacher of the 19th century once said this. He said, God never shuts his storehouse until you shut your mouth. <laughs> In other words, you have to ask. I mean, it's the way that God has designed life with him. Prayer is asking. So, let me ask you, what are you lacking right now in, in your life simply because you've never bothered to ask God for it? Maybe you've tried other ways but you've never tried asking God, then ask. Again, Jesus says, when you ask, you will be heard. That's it. That's the promise. Now, I have to confess that this biblical promise is not self-evident. I mean, we cannot always tell if our prayer has been heard, right? Uh, the other day, I, I called up and I, and I ordered something. And before I was done, the, the woman said, here's your confirmation number. I wrote it down, and I thought afterwards, boy, wouldn't it be great if God gave us a confirmation number, you know? After you're finished praying, you know, God said, you know, here's the number, write it down so you can keep track of it. But Jesus says, I tell you, you will be heard. It rests on the promise 
of Jesus. It's a fact. But here's the thing. You have to ask to receive. You have to seek to find. You have to knock if you want that door to be open. And the promise is that we will be heard, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, having said that, uh, let me say what bold prayer is not. It's not a magic wand. God is not some kind of genie in a bottle where you rub it and God pops up and says, your wish is my command. It's not some kind of emergency first aid kit. It's not a a final act of desperation. It's not the last resort when everything else in your life has failed. And, And neither is prayer some kind of religious duty that's motivated by guilt. Yeah, I, I know I need to pray more because if I don't pray, then, then God's going to put me on his, on his bad list. It's not a tug of war with God where you have to convince God to do something nice for you. You beg, you plead, you pester God until finally God reluctantly says, Oh, all right, have it your way. You see, Jesus reminds us that God desires to give us good things. In fact, he he says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish dinner, will give him a rattlesnake instead? If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will a loving heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? I mean, as a father and grandfather, I love to grant the requests of, of my children. Even if I know they don't necessarily need it, I like to give them good things. And if I, being an imperfect parent, know how to give good gifts, and I know how to answer the request of my children, how much more does God, who is perfect, know how to give us good gifts? God delights in answering our requests. So this is a huge ask. And notice, too, that it says that that Joshua prayed this in front of all Israel. I don't know about you, but if I was going to pray a prayer this bold, this big, you know, I think I'd go off someplace where nobody was around. God, God, here's what I want you to do, you know. But not Joshua. I mean, Joshua is crazy bold, and he does this before the entire nation. Oh, God, please have the sun stand still. Notice he's not timid about it. He doesn't even add on to the end of it, if it be thy will. Because, you see, he already knows it's God's will. In fact, verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid because I've already taken care of this. This gave Joshua enormous faith to trust God uh, for the answer. Can I uh, admit something to you? I'm just going to come clean, okay? I'm a fan of Star Wars. I guess I just did admit it, didn't I? Okay, don't think less of me because of that. But um, one of my favorite scenes is uh, from The Empire Strikes Back. And, and Luke has been mentored by, by the Jedi Master Yoda. And during his training, Yoda challenges Luke to raise his starfighter from the murky depths of the swamp where he crash-landed. And, and, but Luke can't do it. And And he says to Yoda, you want the impossible. And then he watches Yoda raise it by the power of the force. And Luke says, I can't believe it. And Yoda responds. Do you remember how he responds? That's why you fail. 
One day, Jesus, uh, or one day a man brings his sick son to Jesus, and he says to him, Jesus, if, if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if I'm able, if I'm able, all things can be done for the one who believes. And, and the Bible says immediately the, the, the father of the child cries out, help my unbelief. I do believe, help my unbelief. And the Bible says that Jesus healed the man's son. See, faith. Faith is a belief in God's power to work miracles. But it's more than believing that God can do it. It's, it's more than believing God might do it. It's believing that God will do it. And it's not based upon how good you are. It's not based upon uh, how much money you give to the church. It's not based upon your uh, worship attendance. But it's based according to your faith. And it doesn't have to be that much. Jesus said, if you had faith, simply what? The size of a mustard seed. You'd say to this mountain, be taken up, and it would. You see, when you know something is a part of God's plan, then you can pray really bold prayers. I think God likes that. God likes the prayers of, of radical trust that believes that he can do the impossible. I think the greatest accomplishment is for you and me to believe that, that God listens to our prayers and then we pray with a holy boldness and then we leave uh, the results up to him. In, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and, and John are, are going to the temple for a prayer service and there's this man there and he's, he's been lame from birth and, and he's reduced to begging for a living and, and he asks for some spare change and, and Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have. But such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the man walks. And Peter's prayer is so bold that it, it sounds like it's some kind of, of a command. Rise up and walk. Nowhere does he pray, if it be thy will. He just prays it because he knows for that man in that particular situation that it is God's will. That, and he understood that he had the spiritual authority as a Christ follower, to pray that kind of bold prayer. And same with you and I. When we begin to pray as though we know God's will, and when we pray according to God's will, then we're going to begin praying powerful and life-changing prayers. But we need to learn how to ask. And we need to be direct, we need to be definite, and we need to be determined in our asking. Now, I'm not telling you that God's going to answer every prayer exactly the way that you want it. There's been plenty of prayers that I have prayed that haven't been answered the way I wanted them to be answered. But I'm saying that sometimes we are simply too timid when we talk to God, that he wants us to ask with this holy boldness that simply unveils our hearts before God, that tells it exactly the way it is, and then has enough faith to leave the results up to God. Now, I get my needs and my wants mixed up a lot, but I'm learning to make that distinction. You see, Joshua knew this was God's will, and he went through this open door into the realm of supernatural faith and power. And I think we, too, need this simple, confident faith that we are praying according to the will of God. Now, are there some things that can get us out of alignment with God's will? I believe there are. If you were here last week, you may remember uh, that uh, how sin, one man's greed for silver and gold, got him into trouble and brought a huge 
defeat to Israel. Israel had to deal with that before they could move on to the, the next challenge. And Jesus says the same thing. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is praying. And, and his disciples are with him, and they're, they're watching him pray, and, and there's something about the intimacy that Jesus had with his heavenly Father that, that stirs within them and, and makes them hungry for that same kind of, of deep and rich prayer life. And so they say, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray like that. And so he teaches them a, a very simple prayer that, that we have come to call the Lord's Prayer, and it's simply, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. See, I've come to believe that nothing will interfere more with our prayer life than, than sin. And that includes bitterness and, and resentment and, and ill feelings or, or grudges. In 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, it says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In other words, uh, um, areas of our relationships are, are essential. It's essential to be in harmony in our relationships. Now, now folks, it's not possible to have a, a perfect marriage. It's not possible to have perfect relationships. But what Peter is reminding us is that, that when we have disagreements, we need to, to work things out quickly so that, as Peter says, our prayers are not hindered. Uh, along the same lines, James writes this. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so sometimes we ask with those wrong motives and we need to ask forgiveness for those things. But here's what I'm trying to say, that, that if our life is in harmony with God, then my prayers are going to be in harmony with God's will. The 5th century um, church father, St. Augustine, said this. He said, love God and then do what you please. Now why would he say that? Because if you really love God with all of your heart, you're not going to want to do what displeases God and your will will begin to align up with God's will. Jesus is not done in teaching about bold prayer. He goes on to tell a story about a man who had an unexpected overnight guest. He's out of food and he goes next door to, to borrow, but it's midnight and his neighbor's already in bed and, and he won't answer the doorbell. And so Jesus says, he won't get up and give you food because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In other words, we need to pray with that holy boldness. The New Revised Standard Version translates it as persistence. Eugene Peterson translates it as stand your ground. The King James translates it as importunity. But it, it includes this concept of, of great boldness, of, of urgency, of, of pressing your claim before God. U2 singer Bono said, God doesn't mind if we bang on the door to heaven sometimes. It's okay to do that, asking him to listen to what we have to say. 
I mean, think about it. Think of some of the great Bible uh, uh, people who, who prayed this way. Here's blind Bartimaeus, and, and he's shouting at the top of his lungs, Jesus, have mercy upon me and heal me. And everybody else is telling him to sit down and shut up, but he will not be silent. Or how about the woman who is plagued for 12 years with a, with a hemorrhage, and she refuses to be discouraged by the crowd around Jesus, and she fights her way through until she's able to touch the, the hem of his garment. And then there's the Syrophoenician woman who, who comes to Jesus looking for healing for her daughter, and, and it has to deal with this apparent rebuff from Christ, but she refuses to be discouraged, and she perseveres until she receives her answer. But nobody is as bold as Peter and John. Back to the story in Acts chapter 3 where they heal the lame man. The Bible says that they are, they are arrested for talking about Jesus and they're, they're brought to the religious authorities. And they decide they're not going to punish them. They're not going to put them in jail this time. But they, they send them away with a stern warning to stop talking about Jesus, not to, not to do this kind of stuff anymore. And, and so where do they go? They, they go to a prayer meeting. And this is their prayer. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And verse 31 says, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. What were they praying for? More boldness, more healings, more signs, more wonders. I don't know about you, but, but man, if I had that kind of threat from the religious authorities, I'd, I'd be laying low for a couple of days. I, you know, let's, let's let things kind of cool off here for a while. But not these guys. They knew that their lives and the church were in the hands of God and that God could be trusted, they were saying, God, it is all yours anyhow because you made it and it's yours. What would happen if we began to pray these kind of bold prayers? What if we found ourselves having the boldness of Joshua? You see, folks, prayer is God's ordained means for extending his kingdom, for defeating evil, for fulfilling God's eternal plan and bringing into effect his will on earth. Prayer makes you and I partners with God in accomplishing all of this. And God wants us to approach his throne of grace boldly. God welcomes your praying for whatever need you may have. And the kind of prayer that God honors is bold prayers. Let's bow our heads. Sometimes, God, I, I admit that uh, I wonder if you're even listening. There are times in my life when I have begged for a confirmation number because I just wonder where I stood before you. But Lord Jesus, you make us a promise that if we ask, we'll be heard, that if we seek, we'll find, and if we knock, that door will be opened. God, help us to go through that open door today and every day. 
Give us the boldness of Joshua to believe you for our prayers. We ask this in Christ's name.